You're listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Chris Scales. You know, Mike. David Hall. I think I'm going through a second puberty. Greg Hectus. I'm back. Mason Stiver. Hey, hey. Tony Groves. Evening, fellas. Tony Rochette. Hey, everybody. Big group. And special gla- uh, special guest, Logan Clampett, is back for our fourth time visit. Thanks, Logan. You're welcome. All right. Well, um, yeah, like I said, fourth time. And I actually went and looked. Uh, you were on episodes 36, 46, 64. And then uh, today's episode is uh, episode 165. Uh, so it's been 100 episodes uh, exactly since you've been on, and that's kind of cool. But uh, let's learn more about you and, and introduce our audience to you a bit more. Um, first of all, tell us about what brought you to iRacing initially and how did you first hear about it? So I heard about it from a friend in around uh, late 2012. and. Uh, he was like, oh, God, you know, <laughs> this guy won $10,000 from, you know, playing a video game, which was Ray, I think, at the time. So, uh, in 2013, uh, I finally got it. I got um, a, just a cheap, like, wheel and pedals for, like, $30, $40, like, together. Um, uh, and I just kind of, you know, enjoyed it. I didn't really, like, you know, know what, like, ironing or safety rating was at first. So, I just kind of had fun with it. Um, and you know, now we're just kind of like right here. All right. Yeah. That's a, a long journey for sure. Um, uh, tell us about what type of, uh, wheels, pedals and hardware do you run? Um, uh, you know, as far as that goes, uh, you know, how many monitors are you using VR? So right now I have a, um, G29 wheel and pedals, you know, nothing special like a fan tick or anything. Uh, just, you know, something I could drive with. And be semi-competitive with, and uh, I also have a GTR kind of like rig simulator type seat, uh, and I'm I just actually recently, uh, it's almost I think it's been like seven months or so. Uh, I've had triple monitors. I've been racing with triple monitors lately, and it's actually helped quite a bit. Interesting, yeah. So uh, that triples, you you say it helps quite a bit. Uh, it's just that. Uh, situational awareness about what's going around you or the peripheral vision uh, you're still looking to the apex right yeah for sure all right cool uh and what is your most memorable moment in iRacing so far so back in october uh i won a thing called it's called the mazda hot lap challenge and it was against 30 drivers and uh, they put us all in a race at daytona uh road course so, um, and it was obviously with the Mazdas, MX-5s, and it was, a, I think, a 15-lap race or something, and the winner got a, a free trip to the Rolex 24 in January, and uh, I won the race, uh, which was super awesome. Uh, waited a couple months, and I uh, went to the Rolex 24 with my dad, uh, which was just super awesome. It just, it was just, like, just super unrealistic. I, I wasn't, I just... Couldn't believe I was in, a, in Daytona, you know, for the Rolex 24 and we were special guests of Mazda and everything. It was just, 
just an awesome trip overall. So that race right there is probably um, my biggest win and most memorable moment. Yeah, definitely with the prize, you know. Yeah. We saw your picture you posted. You were in the flag stand at one point during the race, right? Yeah, Mazda actually got us up there. And as most people know that, you know, most fans can't get up there. And it was actually on Mazda's first time. It was one guy. He said, I think, uh, like, IMSA said he could bring, like, 30 people up there or something. So he got some of the Mazda uh, employees and and then us, uh, the me, my dad, and then the other two guys that also won the trip through the at track and um so he got us up there and it was actually their first time up there too so it was a super cool experience for all of us getting up on the flag stand it was just absolutely surreal right all right that sounded like fun uh and uh what is your preferred car number and why um i prefer 44 uh i mean i've i've raced with it uh for i think since 2014 uh my friend and I we created this team and I think he was number four. So I just like I just like doubled the number. Um and just kinda kept forty four for the rest of my Irising career. Um even though, you know, we were forty six last year in peak and we're ninety nine this year, I, I feel like forty four is still like, you know, my preferred number. I've just been with it for so long and you know, it's uh my social media and tags and looking at it now, like Dale Jr. is like uh, been my favorite driver since 2009, even though he retired. Uh, so like I can just kind of like look at it as you know 44 times two equals 88, for example. So it's just kind of cool to have it. Absolutely, yeah, good number. Um, all right, and tell us about what are you doing outside the peak Anna Free Series? Are you running any leagues and stuff like that? So yeah, I I kind of just have fun with it. Uh, sometimes I run you know a thing called podium esports i haven't been too lucky in that league so far though but um actually uh we we just uh we made rally cross last year rally cross dwc so we'll be running that at the end of the year and we were just going for sprint car world championship and we i think we're gonna get 11th or 12th in that it's the last week so we're basically locked in for that and if we get into and if we get accepted then we'll also be running that, which is super awesome. So we'll be in three world championships. Um, I also run, you know, kind of like more fun leagues. Like uh, I think it's called uh, Ice Car, for example. Uh, I just kind of, you know, goof around, have fun with some friends that I've known for years. Uh, but I, I, that's that's about it. I mean, I, I official race here and there also. That's awesome. So do you like the uh, staggered starts throughout the year for these championship series when you're running these multiples? How many are you going to have overlapping at once? Um, I think it's just peak with another one because I think sprints uh, is just like, you know, one part of of the year and then maybe late models cross crosses over. I'll be trying to go for that, but I know that'll be competitive. But I know Rallycross won't cross over with sprint cars. Uh, that'll be towards the end of the year. But Peak will kind of cross over both, which um, I think I think a Rally will maybe be Thursdays or Mondays. Um, it was Thursdays last year, and then sprints might be Monday, and then uh, Peak will be Tuesday. But they they don't really like necessarily like cross over a whole bunch. 
Yeah, I thought the staggered starts where they spread them out throughout the year was a good idea uh, for guys like you running up for those. Uh, pretty cool. Um, what track are you looking forward to most this season? What is the one you're targeting and saying, hey, that's going to be the one? Uh, Chicagoland for sure. We, in 2017, well, 2016, I think we ran around top 10 my rookie year. 2017, we had the winning car. Um, we led a bunch of laps. And I think we got seventh because we got kind of unlucky there towards the end. And then last year I was gonna, I was running around top seven the whole race and kind of got unlucky again. But uh, just like official racing overall, NIS and A fixed, B fixed, C fixed. It's been my most uh, successful track, just of of all the tracks uh, on the service. So if we have like a good enough setup and who knows about the package. I feel like we can have a winning shot just because uh, I, I really know how to drive the track very well. I know all the bumps and stuff on that track. Oh, yeah. There's some big ones, too. Um, all right, cool. Uh, how do you anticipate this new aero package? Uh, we'll talk later in the show about the details. It is definitely coming as soon as your next race. Uh, what do you think is going to happen out there? So I, I think it'll maybe bring the racing closer together. Uh, it'll be different for sure. I'm a little worried about it, um, just because being one of the faster drivers in the series, I felt, you know, after missing Daytona, I felt like really confident, you know, like, oh, we can, we can come back and make the playoffs. But like, uh, with this new package, um, it's kind of basically like, who knows who's going to be like really good. Maybe you'll have, um, some of the like pro drivers coming from the truck and B car. Maybe they'll be running up front now and, um, you yeah. know, it, it's just going to bring everyone closer together. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think anyone knows how it's going to, how it's going to uh, feel besides the, the beta testers. So it'll, it'll be interesting to, for sure, to uh, see how it plays out. Hopefully, hopefully it's not like full throttle at every single track and stuff. Hopefully it's, you know, kind of spread out and the same names are up front. And it just, it takes, you know, some more talent to drive too. Well, we'll see. Yeah, for sure. It's going to be interesting one way or the other, but uh, to, just to watch it. Um, all right. Uh, tell us about your moments leading up to being drafted by uh, what's known as Burton Kligerman Esports during the uh, peak draft and the excitement that was kind of surrounding that experience, uh, you know, leading up to the, the days before the draft uh, when it was announced and that you're going to be participating in it. And uh, what did you think and how did you feel about it when you were part of it? Uh, it was, you know, it was super awesome, especially just like, just being a part of the series overall this year. It's super awesome with all the teams, but, um, I'm pretty, I, I, I'm pretty good buddies with Parker. I kind of knew him personally more than, you know, anyone else on any other team. So, uh, I, I kind of knew that he was maybe going to take me if I was still available, which I was, which is super awesome. Uh, but being drafted is, is awesome and it's it's really cool to uh be a part of this whole draft and teams and you know just everything involved in the series i was surprised old man jeff burton got involved but that is pretty cool that he is yeah for sure all right and uh i guess let's talk about uh, you just announced recently a sponsorship uh, they basically said you landed a sponsor and it's nbc and you have the NBC colors on the hood. Uh, 
tell us a little bit about that. And it, it's kind of interesting how this is working out with the teams actually selling or leveraging sponsorship and B2B, uh, you know, or, or something along those lines, right? Yeah. It, it's it's cool to have NASCAR America on NBC as a sponsor. Um, they, they were telling us, you know, we're going to try and get it. And uh, just because, you know, they're they're working for them in such and such uh it was there was a pretty good chance but uh it's and my car is super beautiful i love my car it would be really cool if um maybe ash and i could you know get on the show once do the like you know sim racing thing uh that they do once in a while it would be super awesome uh but uh we'd have to see all right very cool uh yeah it's neat to see parker and uh really helping to promote this um all right and uh, tell us about ashton crowder uh you know and have you had any benefit of you know being associated together or working together yeah originally parker kind of wanted us working together and um so we started working together and is i feel like it benefited us during vegas a bunch because we can kind of just think you know because we're we're drafting drafted teammates and parker kind of sees us as teammates too and now we're you know working together on setups and stuff and running laps so uh it's it's cool being teammates with him and it it helped a bunch at vegas we tested a bunch and it really paid off for the both of us uh with him being his rookie year a p12 isn't bad at all and uh me challenging for the win and uh leading some laps getting a podium it it was super cool and you know we're already up to 17th in points uh, i think we're 27 points behind uh, the playoffs. So it's, it's awesome so far being teammates with them. And, uh, I'm looking forward to the next race working together with them. Absolutely. Um, cool. Um, and, and let's talk a little bit about, you know, your, your race. I mean, you were the car to beat there for the first part, you know, and you led a lot of laps and, and you were looking good even after that green flag stop. And, uh, as you sit back and you look back at it, I mean, what are you what are you kicking yourself about? What could you have done differently to to get that track position there? You know that you needed. You know, I don't. We were we were just lacking so much long run speed and being up front. You know, um, in that position, there's there's not much you could do uh, besides maybe the last pit stop because I took less fuel. I probably could have. I think I took like 14 gallons. I probably could have taken 10 and I loosened it up a little bit, but I should have loosened it up more. I was catching Luz and Novak uh, a 10th a lap there towards the end. Uh, Cause it was like 10 to go at the restart. And I was, I caught him uh, quite a bit. And then it just kind of started to even out. I, once it, uh, once it started to like tighten up. So I wish I could have loosened it up a little bit more, but that's, that's about it. There's not much I could have really done. I couldn't have, you know, like, uh, waited waited to like pit or short pit or whatever i think uh we were we were top three at max uh just because we were kind of lacking a little bit of speed you know eight to ten laps uh at the end of a fuel run yeah well i gotta tell you what i was very impressed with your run uh you know being the first race out and and what happened with daytona and stuff and and uh man you were just you were just nailing on it and that's really got to be a relief to to come out of the box that strong and uh and, and have a good solid point start you know to get the points rolling here 
Uh, you think you can get there uh, by the end of the season uh, you, uh, with a bunch of top fives like that? I think for sure. Uh, I can probably get up to, uh, I think, I think 10th if I'm really consistent. But once I get to, you know, the top nine with like Busa and Keegan, Novak, Jimmy, Luza, uh, Conti, all of them up there, uh, it's going to be a little more difficult and they're going to maybe have some bad luck uh, for me to catch them. But for sure, I think, uh, you know, if we score even like consistent top 10 finishes, uh, we can possibly get up there towards the end of the season it's super awesome to get a podium there uh especially my first race and get some tv time towards some towards the beginning uh it's disappointed what happened to daytona but you know it's a learning experience uh but yeah super happy with our finish and uh hopefully we can uh, get some consistent finishes hopefully the arrow package won't like you know play that big of a role um so hopefully we can get up there. Uh, I think I think we can. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, I think you got it. Got it in you. Uh, could be a championship run this year for you. Um, you're looking good. So uh, we know about Ashton Crowder and Burton Kligerman and all that, but tell us about the re the real team behind the scenes, so to speak, that supports you. You you have people that are with you while you're racing. You have a spotter. You have a crew chief. You got a team that provides you a setup. Tell us about that a little bit. And who are those people and how do they help you? So kind of like I said earlier, uh, Asher and I like just started kind of working together on setups also. Like we're um, we're both, you know, setup teammates and drafting teammates. That's great. Uh, so we have other people, you know, running for Road to Pro and stuff uh, like Justin Lizenby and Jason Jacoby. Uh, I know Tanner Tallarico is Ashton Spotter, Thomas Keen, and uh, JD Laird. Uh, my graphic designer is my Spotter. Uh, it's awesome having him up on the box. Uh, he's he motivates me pretty well during the race. Uh, my I worst finished so far with him is um, sixth from last year. Uh, so it's it's super awesome working with these guys this year, and uh, I'm really looking forward to it. All right, so yeah, it's all uh, starting over and uh, very cool. Well, thank you for coming back a uh, fourth time on the show. And um, I think I recall that you were getting l like wins every time you came on our show. And that's why you were coming back. And so maybe uh, that'll keep that uh, streak going. Yeah, for sure. Thank you, Mike. All right, let's uh, get into it. Uh, topics, but first, uh, let's talk OBRL. Uh, we do sponsor the iRacers Lounge podcast is sponsoring the OBRL new uh, Monday night ARCA series, and it finished up. And so uh, I'm going to read what happened here. The championship round happened at Chicagoland, started out with Jason Swan on the pole with over 37 drivers entered for the race. Gail Brooks uh, gained 25 spots to win the Hard Charger Award. There's only two cautions in this great side-by-side, -side, sometimes three-wide racing. Uh, Greg Hectus battled to the end, winning not only the race but the coveted championship and 100 bucks in cash. That's 127 loonies for all your Canadian listeners. Steve Thompson finished second, Gail Brooks third, and Jason Swan fourth. Chris J.R. Scales finished 17th, no incidents. Justin Laird 29th. Congrats, Greg. Thank you. Yeah, it was. Uh, it wasn't an easy race to uh, 
get a you know let alone get the win and get get up to the front i qualified very poorly in that race i qualified 18th and uh one of my competitors i was ke- uh racing against there mike uh schrader he uh he qualified uh second place and uh on the outside pole there and uh made me a little nervous there trying to come back through the field and that tracks a really draft happy track so if you got to have momentum to get past people and you know it was a very i want to say i don't want to say it was uneventful race i mean i was able to get through it i, I don't know i know some of you guys were watching my twitch channel and stuff while i was racing but uh i got a lucky break to get back on the lead lap when uh, we got caught doing green flag pit stops and i was a lap down i was the lucky dog and after that i just basically held track position and i made the right call at one point to come down pit road just to get tired or to get a my last stop in and come out second in battle. Um, Jason, uh, actually, no, I was based, I was uh, battling Gail Brooks um, for first place. And then eventually I got past him. And then I think Steve got past him just late there. And he was running me down because I wore out my tires yeah, fighting Gail. And, uh, and I'm sure Steve probably would have had me in a couple laps, but uh, it was, it ran out and it was a, it was a good race. I mean, I was I really didn't like how I qualified, but uh, I knew I could race up there and uh, get it. And I appreciate all the all the guys in that race because that was a good that's a good league to uh, run in, and I really appreciated running in that league. Uh, and uh, it was a good good season, and uh, go from there. Well, it's pretty damn good if you're winning the championship and your first run in the in the league. So yeah, good job. Uh, Representing our team, uh, Greg, and uh, and leading the rest of them. Uh, Chris, you were out there. What did you see? Honestly, I've uh, blacked out on most of the race. I can't, I can't remember. I ran other stuff since then and didn't write anything down. I think I might have murdered the cone, the, the pit cone, that race. I've done it three times in the last couple of weeks, and that's probably one of them. I said <laughs> it was a good, clean race, but I, I remember being on the wrong end of one of those um, cautions in a round of pit stops. Okay. Now, the uh, Old Bastards Racing League National Series starts back up on March 11th at Southern National Motorsports Park for another 12-week series. And $100, again, up for grabs for the racer who com- competes in all 12 races and has the lowest incident points. And so uh, with that, we do conclude our sponsorship of the OBRL Monday Night Series. Uh, it's been uh, very good working with Steve Thompson and his team over there. Uh, they were an absolute pleasure to work with. Uh, we're just taking a break from them briefly. Uh, just to, the, the, the idea here is to give opportunities to other leagues to get involved with uh, iRacers Lounge. And so if you know a league that may be interested in uh, being showcased on our show, um, let us know. Contact uh, Brent McCoy. Okay, I definitely want to thank Steve again real quick. He did an amazing job over the 12 weeks of um, promoting the podcast. <laughs> I think I think they did a better job promoting us than we than did. we promote it, yeah. Yeah, definitely appreciate it. Yeah, I, great you, you, that has got to be doubled to say. i got to say that again, what Chris said. Echo that because Steve is a master at social media. He just gets it out everywhere and uh, – the impact is amazing. We've seen it in our numbers, and he's seen it in his enrollment numbers as well. Uh, so it's been a good uh, thing for both uh, his league and our podcast. 
and the uh, the other uh, guys that are also part of uh, the video editing because they did a lot of posts of a very good uh, recap of the race um, for that championship race. I think they've done two. They did two separate ones, and uh, any yeah, other admins great. and stuff like that. They did uh, they did a really good job this season. So thanks to Steve and them for um, that racing league and and having us in it. Yes, John Hastings that does those videos, and yeah, they're they're awesome. He does a great job. All right, let's jump into the topics. Uh, I got the first one. Uh, peak uh, race happened. Um, I Racing put out a nice spotter guide. Um, it's like a professional spotter guide that you would get in you know the the Cup Series or the IndyCar Series or something like that. Uh, during the broadcast, uh, they did interview Eric Hudek, who is the engineer at I Racing. Um, he talked about um, his credentials of how he's worked in and out of the NASCAR garage and for manufacturers and in various things. But uh, more importantly, he talked about the upcoming changes to the ACAR package um, and basically said they're doing exactly what NASCAR is doing. So the, the exact package that they're putting on the NASCAR for Vegas and Atlanta and all these uh, tracks, Phoenix, is the same package that we're going to have in iRacing. The ducks, the splitter, the the spoiler, everything. The reduced horsepower, the 550 horsepower versus 750. And so he talked about all that. And that's basically what he said. Um, um, he didn't give it any more details really more than that, but it was kind of nice to, to have him on as an interview at the beginning of that race. Uh, Mason, you watched uh, the beginning parts of this. Uh, I mean, what did you think about the racing? I caught the last part of it, and I was actually listening to the last part as I was driving home from work. But um, it was a heck of a race, and I actually saw the last 20 up on my big screen, and it was like watching real NASCAR, or better, actually. I mean, the and, and the racing that I saw was very similar to what I saw in the real NASCAR race. What did you think? Yeah, I mean... Um the grooves were working well, the high and the low line, um, especially as the, the run went on. And there was lots of comers and goers um, throughout the race. You know, people who had those long run sets, like Luza coming from the back. Right. Yeah, and Clampett, you know, as we discussed earlier, he was, you know, leading quite a bit there um, early on and looked like the car to beat. But, yeah, you know, things change and... Um... There was a big wreck with uh, Alfala involved, Duvall, Thayan, Davies, all in a wreck at lap 87. Uh, Blake Reynolds had one of the biggest saves I've ever seen in a in a cup car. That thing was more than dead sideways, guys. I mean, it was totally left to right sideways, and he somehow saved it. I mean, that was crazy. Yeah, I couldn't do that. Do yeah, you guys notice, too, talent. when you're watching it, like I know how you're saying it, it it looks like real NASCAR and and it's like watching the real racing, but even like situations happen like they're on like it is on TV and stuff like if you know on that restart, I knew that they were gonna you know they didn't wad up the cars a lot but you just knew that there was something brewing there when they were coming off the corner and they got in that last restart and they got all those cars tangled up, you just knew that it was coming, and it you know it it was exciting to watch. Yeah, caution on lap 120, uh, Benefiel, Gargilia, and Overland were involved. And then Timmy Hill stayed out. I mean, 
I mean, who is freaking out over that? I was like, what is this guy doing? Timmy Hill, he knows better, but he stayed out on old tires. I don't know, to get some airtime for a sponsor, I guess. Um, it didn't work. I mean, um, almost he almost caused a huge wreck. I, I can't believe they didn't wreck into him. Now, uh, Ray Alfala, he took two tires and he even had some damage that he didn't even take the time to fix. Well, just like real NASCAR, right? I mean, you got 10 to go and you're towards the back. Why would you come into pit? You know, you're trying to go for that win and you can't fault Timmy Hill for trying to go for that win. You mentioned that they um, they were on the verge. He knew he was going to get run over. But you got to commend the other guys that were behind him for not running him over. And that takes talent to be situa- situational awareness right there to avoid that. And um, Kudos to Timmy for not causing that big accident. And kudos to everyone else behind Timmy Hill for not getting into the back of him. We see the same thing play out in the real world, real NASCAR. Sometimes it ends horrific and a tragic piled up um, bunch of race cars. And sometimes it ends just like this did. They were five yeah. wide avoiding <laughs> avoiding Timmy Hill and they nobody wrecked. It was it was incredible. Yeah, Timmy made Timmy made that last restart extremely interesting right there. And you can't fault the guy for trying that. And if it's late enough, it can pay off. I've got I got my first top split top split win in the A A fixed by staying out and was able to hold everybody off. And there was also a caution. Right. Now, Ryan Luza had the track position at the end, and and he drove a great race. I mean, and, and the, the final laps was an amazing battle between him and uh, Zach Novak. Now, Zach Novak is in the Roush number six car. And you know what? When I first got into NASCAR, the Roush number six car was my car. I was a Mark Martin fan. And to see that car running like that up front, I was excited. I was pulling for Zach Novak. I was like, dude, get it, get it, get it, you know, and just rooting him on. And uh, he was right there. He raced him very cleanly. And he probably had a, t- a chance to give that guy a shot if he really tried. Uh, but he didn't. He raced him clean. He was there just a little bit. But uh, Ryan, you know, didn't make any mistakes. And he had the track position. And he won it. Yeah, you know what caught my attention at the end of that, watching all that? It wasn't the win that necessarily caught my attention. It was Novak in that second place position. He very easily could have dumped Luza right there, and he chose not to. You got to commend the guy for not dumping him like, you know, we have seen plenty of times. Yeah, that's what I was trying to say, clean racing, and and we saw it, and it really showed, didn't it? Yeah, and, uh, okay, so at the end of the race, I was on Twitch. Uh, uh, some of you guys were watching on YouTube. But I was on Twitch, and uh, the end of the race happened, and then halfway through the cool-down lap, Twitch froze. Stream gone. Uh, I think, Brent, you saw it. Stream went down as well. Uh, but YouTube kept on going, I guess. Yeah, I'm not convinced that it was um, iRacing or the um, broadcast producer's fault. It very well might have been. I just might not have read it. But I read around that same time there were several different issues with other streamers not related to iRacing. That all went down too, so it very well could have been related to something um, outside of iRacing's control, right? But uh, no problem. I popped up the YouTube to watch the end of the interviews and whatnot. But another great broadcast by Race Spot. Uh, no big glitches really besides that, but uh, they did a great job too, and I was entertained. I really was, and I'll continue to watch. Um, 
uh, let's say Junior Motorsports, they put up an article on uh, jrmracing.com about Mike Conti finishing eighth. Um, uh, you know, D- Brad Davies got the pole. Um, and they're doing a nice little recap with a quote from each driver, as well as uh, a tweet from Mr. Dale Earnhardt Jr. Well, if you listen to his podcast, he's, he, you know, he's invested in this really a lot. Like he talks about it on his podcast and, you know, they were talking about it last, uh, I think it was last week about the Daytona one and the problems it had and stuff like that with the stream and stuff. So it's good to see that, you know, his invest, he's, you know, he's invested in it. Yeah, I'm in the middle of listening to his podcast right now. I haven't finished it. I want to see if he says anything this week. Yeah, you guys mentioned the um, the broadcasters too, and how the, how great the broadcast was. Can we give a shout out to these broadcasters from RaceBot that are doing this peak series because they are unbelievable. They are just they make the racing just as exciting, if not more exciting, with them on there um, talking about it. So to Evan uh, Pasako and all them, thank you guys. You guys are doing a heck of a job. So Evan is uh, involved in um, monster truck. Uh, jam or whatever they call it monster yeah. jam, monster he anou- jam. he's the announcer at monster jam and so that's what he does and i love that he has this growl to his voice when he tries to raise excitement he kind of goes he has this little kind of growl that he does and i don't know how to uh, replicate it but he does it very well and he does get it very exciting yeah well done guys i think you nailed it the impression right there mike Job well done. <laughs> it's something like that yeah Okay, Chris, uh, packages. Yeah, just a little bit more news on our um, shiny new package that we were talking about earlier. Um, all of us wondering when it's going to uh, get here. Uh, it looks like it might not be next week during week 13. Uh, we had a forum post. Uh, Tyler Hudson was answering another iRacer. He said, um, I know testing is in full swing. All I know is testing is in full swing to try to get the new arrow out as soon as possible. I think it's safe to say the goal is March, but the data is very limited to come by, so I wouldn't be surprised if it's released in a patch so we could get so we could accumulate more data. So it sounds like maybe not next week, but hopefully before the end of the month. And uh, also there was a couple of tweets um, by Steve Myers. Um, he said, good news for those that still want to run the 2018 physics. The Chevy SS will not move to the 2019 package, and will event and eventually the Fusion will join it. So once the um, the new Mustang comes out, the the old Fusion will um, will not have this package either. So you can run the the two old cars from last year, and and they'll still have the the, the current package. Man, they don't. Uh, they're leaving out Toyota though. That's a bummer. Yeah, yeah, I get you'll probably have to wait till a new Toyota comes out before they can stick the old one in that. <laughs> yeah, they'll have they'll, to yeah. they'll have to come out with the Supra. Well, the Supra will be yeah. coming soon. I'm sure it will be. I bet you the, they switch over to the Supra in the next two years in the Cup Series. Yep. I'm glad that they're preserving this version of the car, though, that we can run with if we hate this new one. You know. Now yeah. I'm a Leave little a- sorry. Uh, I'm a little confused by this. So they're, he's saying that you know they're trying to figure out when it's going to come out, if it's going to be in a patch or something. But yet they're already saying that two weeks from now that they're they're going to have it in effect for the peak series. So obviously it's got to be, you know, next week at some point, right? So they can have time to test with it. So I read into it as 
They definitely have said that it's going to be there for the peak race, which is the following Tuesday. Um, but they didn't specifically say it'd be out on the build on Tuesday. So that kind of reads to me like maybe it'll be out later in the week, like maybe Friday or Saturday or something like that, or sometime before Tuesday. They got to give the guys some time to test with it. Ten minutes before the Friday open race. <laughs> That's when they'll launch it. That would be bad. It's going to be crazy. I mean, yeah, well, how are we going to handle setups? Are there going to be fixed setups to use? What's going to happen with the paints? Are the paints even going to work? I've, I've heard uh, conflicting stories about that. Will trading paints have to be, you know, reprogrammed, you know? Yeah, I don't think the old paints will work because they... Hudek said in the stream it'd be a bigger spoiler, a bigger splitter, some little changes. I would imagine maybe maybe you'll get lucky enough that you can use an old paint and just adjust a couple little things here and there. So that just it just makes it even more because um, even every time this happens too, uh, Trade and Paints has to go through their updates to get it to all work. So even that's going to be another probably process as well. Yeah, training paints usually gets theirs done relatively quick, you know, within a day or two. Let's keep moving, Tony. Slinging mud for fun. Well, that's what we used to do. And coming in Season 2, we'll be slinging mud for points, apparently. Um, looks like they're going to put the Super Late Model Series uh, to a C-Class with the World of Outlaws uh, Super Late Model Fixed Setup Series. Um they uh, they plan on running the series every two hours opposite of the open super late model, um, and without heats, uh, most of the races will be around forty laps, using the standard i racing track specific setups as the fixed setups, and with a max field size uh, eighteen cars. Now. They uh, sounds like this is going to just be a trial run to to see if uh, they can boost the participation on it, um, and uh, if they can't, they'll they'll revert it back for uh, season three. Um, but if they do get the participation up, like what they're hoping, um, they're going to consider doing the same thing for the World of Outlaws sprint cars um, come season three. So. Will people not run this because it's official versus it's not official? I mean, that's really what they're doing. They're switching it from one to the other. Yeah. Uh, I could see arguments uh, for both sides of the coin, really. For me personally, I, I I love that we have a separate dirt oval that's separate from my regular oval I rating. And so I don't care about my dirt oval number. So I'll just run whatever, you know. And so if I had this car... I don't care if it's official or official myself. I, I guess I would run it either way. Yeah, but I know there's a you know there's a lot of guys out there that you know pretty much that's all they do is is dirt ovals. So that I rating for them is a little bit more coveted than it would be for you know say you or I, um, where it just yeah it, it it don't matter. My my main focus is uh, asphalt oval. So yeah, huh? it's a stepping stone. I. I you know, I see it as a good thing, sure. Um, yeah, fixed. You know, that brings in new people with fixed. A lot of people are afraid of open, you know, if they don't know what they're doing. Yeah, that'd be me right there. Well, let alone just running the car, but. All right, David, final reminder for the 2019 12 Hours of Sebring. 
All right, endurance racing fans, it's here. Twelve hours of Sebring. This is uh, I'm excited for this. It's turned into one of our uh, or turned into one of my favorite tracks. Um, it's going to be running two time slots this weekend. Basically, kind of an Aussie Euro time zone starting Saturday at 0100 GMT, which is 8 p.m. Eastern time. Time slot two will be Saturday at 1300 GMT, which is 8 a.m. Eastern. That's I'm sure that's the one we'll be running. Um, it's at Sebring International Raceway. Uh, you have to have a D license with 4.0 sim. Uh, the sim date is going to start at 10 a.m. in the morning on March 2nd. And I've driven here at night. It's pretty fun. It's not like Daytona. There's some parts of the track that are where your headlights only. It's not all lit up. It'll have 30 minutes of warm up. Uh, qualifying is attached to the to the uh, race. It's solo and it's eight minutes, and it's for 12 hours. The weather is dynamic. Splits are done by I rating, and yes, it is a team event. Uh, incident limit of 120 with a field size of 55. It's this standard IMSA car classes. So you have the C7 Daytona prototype, the Ferrari, Ford, and Porsche GTE class cars and the Audi and Mercedes for the GT3 cars. Um, and on a side note, they did go ahead and post, they, they experimented with allowing somebody to run multiple accounts to be able to run a race by themselves, and they decided it wasn't worth it and have, and have disallowed it. So you can still do it, but you'll get a DQ at the end. Correct. Right. So it's allowed, but you're not going to do it officially so if you recall they they allowed that the last time as a one-off to see how it worked and so they decided they're not going to do it is what they're saying the other thing is the incident limit was 100 they changed it to 120 recently um they didn't really say why but they did increase it and i think they also added five kilograms to the porsche uh, as a balance of performance yeah, I did overlook that. And I don't know if the Ferrari and the Ford are running their balance of power adjustments that were added at the beginning of the year or not. I don't know if they have worked that into this or not because it's running as a separate event. It's not a part of it's not a part of the IMSA. Yeah, uh, so who knows then? Because serious. remember at Daytona they they separate they did the BOP separate from the regular IMSA. So anyway, yeah, it's probably a separate because it is a special event. Uh, Greg, let's see what's next. iRacing already decided, but let's go ahead and see what the community thinks anyway. Okay, so uh, Will Sutton had put up a poll asking, um, should if uh, races aren't going official, um, should iRace or, or uh, AI be put in with the race to you know so people have something to you know go and race around the track with and. Uh, I guess it looks like uh, iRacing got it right because it's uh, most people are um, saying no, they don't want to accept um, accept it. So um, I don't know what do you guys think. This is not a huge problem, the NIS series, but some of those lower down ones um, not going official. What do you guys think? Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of on the fence on this because when I first first heard about AI. This is how I thought AI would work, is this, my initial reaction was, oh, it'll be a field filler, okay? We'll get 40 car fields no matter what. Like today, when I ran NIS, our field was only 28, when it's normally 38, 
39, something like that. Somehow it's split it into 28. I have no idea why. But wouldn't it be cool if AI filled it up from 28 to 40? Why not? You know, I would be okay with it myself. But as you said, 86% voted not to do it uh, in this poll. I think it'd be good for especially some of the the series. Like uh, you get a weird week in the cup car when there's no NIS or something, and you just need to fill in a couple spots to make it. Like Rockingham, for example. Like I had trouble finding an official A car race there in the open set. So it would have been nice to have just that AI to kick it up to the six mark. Well, it's not going to make it official anyway, is it? Six is official. It's six. Yeah, but, but if you so, only have four, if you only have four actual drivers, would would they add the AI and then make it official? Right, you would add two more, and then it would be an official race. That's the that's what the poster Will Sutton is saying in his post. Hey, if you had four for an official race, let's add two more and make it official. Now, my so, other question is, sorry, Brent, you can go. So, iRacing, it, the purpose of it is to see how you are against the best in that race. In, at that current time, correct? So how how can you justify saying you beat the best at that time if you're going up against a AI, computer-generated individual? It's the same for everybody. Well, and the other thing is, is on, to add on Brent's thing there, you might have to have a separate, you know how they have separate road and, um, and oval I ratings and safety ratings, you might have to, you know, add the AI and say you there's only three drivers in the field and three AI, and you gain a bunch of I rating. If somebody, you know, someone like say at like the middle of the night that just only races in the middle of the night, it was able to win every race and was gaining a lot ton of I rating. Maybe it shouldn't be put in the category of normal oval I rating or road I rating. Maybe AI should have I rating. Yes, yeah, so I don't know if it worked. Um, well, but. Yeah, because of the difficulty um, thing. Because where do you set the AI at? If you have a race that, like that race today, let's say it split twice, and that's why you had the odd number, do you you don't want to set the AI too easy because you'll be running over them, but you don't want to set them hard enough that they're you know beating the field either. It's interesting. It, it, it just exposes. Sorry, it exposes. Um, it changes the game. I mean, it really just changes the nature of the official series racing. Yeah takes out the complete human aspect of that race you know what i mean because you're only going against four people instead of the competition of that six or so yeah that's a good argument for it but it will be separate you won't be able to do this Uh, you'll be able to race by yourself you won't be able to race with your friends with ai you'll be by yourself with ai and that will be the only way you'll be able to use ai now something they might be able to do that might be neat uh, is maybe a an official series specifically designed to run with AI or something similar to the Mazda challenge where it's, it's something designed to run with the AI. And that's kind of a part of that series or, or feature or special. I'd like to see him open it up and host it where you can host a race with real people and AI mixed together. And so you and your friends could, you know, if you had 10 friends and you wanted to run a 40 car event, you could run 30 AI with 10 of your friends. That would be cool, as long as it was in hosted and not official. And then keep official for just real people, like Brent saying, the human aspect. It would have been nice to have some uh, 
a, a lot of AR cars out there when we ran that Daytona race, and um, everybody except for like three people left. All right, let's keep moving. Uh, Chris, when is old too old? Yes, this is a, a poll on the forums um, based off of Alex Horn's post about the reasons why the DPI is not being updated regularly. And uh, the poll is real simply, when is old content too old? And uh, the options were one to two years, two to three years, three to four years, or four years and older. And surprisingly enough, um, 70% said four years and older, overwhelmingly, <laughs> are, are okay with driving old stuff. Um, some of the 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 post on or some of the posts on the forum post, uh, a couple guys pointed out that you know the it's too old when people aren't racing it anymore, and I, I think I kind of agree with that. If it's not being raced, then it's too old, whether that's six months or or four years. I think um, that's the problem with the DPI. I think it's it's always old, basically, because they're changing the thing so much in real life. Well, the Corvette we have is four years old. Uh... The HPD is seven years old, and that's what surprised me. Is like, wow, seven years old for the HPD. Uh, that is a long time, and maybe we do need an update for that DPI. It's really frustrating in IMSA having um, that DP out there because it's just too, it's too close to the GTE. And if you get a low-skilled uh, DP driver, it it it's just a it's chaos when they they have that stronger car but can't outrun the top gtes all right let's keep moving tony uh, we got some updates to the stats now that we're a couple weeks into the season over at iracingstats.com what do you see well <laughs> not surprising but if you look into the uh to the oval series there yep it's uh definitely the nisc uh series is uh, just killing it open um seems to be more popular than fixed and that one kind of surprises me a little bit there um and then you know followed by uh with quite a drop drop down in uh with the c fixed and the b fixed respectively um but we're we're talking like uh, a third that's, yeah 25 yeah, percent yeah well it's yeah it's close to three times um more popular uh, for the NIS open than it is for the uh, C fixed, which I always thought was the most popular oval series. Well, that's um, drivers per race. So it probably really is, but those races start every hour. So there's 84 drivers on average starting that race every hour with the, but the open and fixed NIS stuff, you know, it's only a couple times a day. Oh yeah, well okay. So yeah, drivers that, that per race is what we're looking at. Yeah, I interpret it totally different. It's it's right there in front of my face, but I was just going off on my own little tangent. But I think that's why I like the NASCAR iRacing series is because of how many drivers per race there are. Because there's so many splits. Because when you get in a split, you're you're racing with people that are equal to you in iRating. Exactly. And if you go over to that dirt series and look at that sling mud for fun late models we were talking about, um, looked like there was what only four drivers per race, if I read that correctly. Wow! So they—that's why they're changing it, huh? <laughs> they need to do something if they only got four drivers per race. All right, let's keep moving. Mason, the bagman doesn't bite the dust. Yeah, right at the uh, podcast recording time last week, uh, Mike Bagley, the Bagman on Sirius XM and uh, MRN Radio, 
posted up a video of him in the pickup uh, car, cup car, um, at Talladega, and he entitled it, I feel like Ryan Priest in the Daytona 500, um, Pucker Factor Zulu, because all of the cars in front of him that were wrecking went left or right, and he managed to not hit any of them, just like Ryan Priest did in the 500. So, cool video by Mike Bagley. It's uncanny how it matches the Ryan Priest moves, how he missed that wreck. It almost looks like a replay of that. Sir, just hold it straight, and hopefully it'll go away from you. All right, next up, uh, Doug Hunt Jr. on the forums uh, reminds us that about e excuse me, enascar.com, uh, and they've updated the site with their uh, uh, power rankings uh, heading into Vegas uh, for the Pete guys. Um, so check that out. Uh, Greg, dirt updates are coming. Now, I'm not familiar with some of the stuff here on the dirt. I'm not a huge dirt guy. So um, Steve is Reese uh, was, had posted a little bit here on um, the fact that uh, there's some updates coming to the car. Um, do you want me to go through them, Mike, just a quick one? I don't think here. we need to go through them. I, I think the idea that, that we wanted to bring out here is Hey, there are changes coming to the Dirt Oval Series, guys. Um, if you're interested, I mean, you can certainly go look up this post. Uh, it is quite a list, but um, it looks like tweaks. It's nothing major. Um, it's stuff to do with setups that are kind of over my head, and so I don't think we need to detail them out, but uh, they are working on it. Yeah, the yeah, one that... Sorry. Go ahead, Mason. The one that caught my eye here real quick is the uh, update that has to do with how the tires react to moisture. That would be a huge thing, I would say, uh, based on the dirt track. And uh, he's not sure if it's going to come in the in the build or in the patch after it, but it'll be coming. Yeah, the thing is that probably that um, tires to the moisture thing has got to do with future stuff that they're doing down the road too that's got to deal with tire models and stuff like that if they're adding weather and stuff in so that's just another part of stuff that they're probably trying to create right well yeah with the dirt side you have to chase the moisture on the track to get your traction so that's that's right now what they're trying to to get at at least in the dirt series the tacky versus slick yeah yeah so anybody that wants to look this up the thread's called caution laps slash fuel burning or fuel burn Yep. All right, uh, Brent, uh, a Road to Pro tracking sheet. This is pretty cool if you want to keep track of the Road to Pro and um, the draft of the Peak Series and everything. Nicholas Morrissey, an iRacing member, created a spreadsheet containing all the information for the Road to Pros, the, the teams that they're on, the, the Peak, um, part of the Peak organizations that they're a part of. And it's pretty cool to see if you want to check it out. It's a uh, Google Drive document, so anyone can go in and see it. Just check out our show notes, and it'll all be right there. I thought what's neat about this is you could see all the different peak teams um, and how many drivers each one has. Uh, Dead Zone Racing has the most with eight drivers. And there's 15 different teams that are represented here. Uh, they do uh, list out you know, each and every one of them and which one they're involved with. So it's kind of neat to, if you want to understand you know which peak drivers is on which team this is a great way to to figure that out and then it also you know references a, the road to pro guys that are involved with road to pro and it's more like a power ranking uh they're actually asking several people to help rank these guys and so um if you scroll to the right you'll see there's uh, all kinds of information so 
All right, uh, Mason, funnest car ever. Yeah, we got a, a post up here from iRacing of with a video of the Radical R8 free car um, at, I believe it's Daytona uh, Super Speedway. So you're holding it wide open in this road car, and you're sitting on the wrong side of the car for us here in, in North America. Um, and I know Mike has had a, a blast in this car um, in hosted sessions, but they got a big five-wide, four-wide finish here at Daytona and uh, giving out participation trophies because we couldn't figure out who won. It's crazy, and I'm glad iRacing picked up on how awesome this car is. And um, you're right, we've been running this and hosted a bunch in the late evening. Somebody's been putting up rooms, and they fill up pretty quick. And it is a blast. I, I think it was Darlington. Dude, you're running down on the flat, not up on the oval, because that's the fast way around the track, or one of the fast ways. I mean, literally down on the flat. And um, you're just hauling full throttle around there because it has so much downforce and, you know, two, three, four wide and all this crazy racing. And you can hold it and you can even bump a little bit. And there's so much downforce that nobody wrecks. And so it's really fun to race these cars. Really fun. Love it. Love it. All right, Brent, uh, something new. Sponsored car. Yeah, here at iRace's Lounge, we're uh, proud to partner with Do Work do work motorsports join forces competing in 2019 full throttle sim racing cup series presented by real sim racing we're excited to have uh driver josh gerlock join the iRacers lounge team as he pilots the iRacers lounge podcast forward fusion josh will compete in a 32-week season that mimics the 2019 nascar cup season Josh will compete against some of the top drivers in iRacing with the hopes of capping off a championship season at Homestead Miami Speedway with the trophy in hand. So they're a um, they're going to copy all along the NASCAR season, all 36 weeks, I believe, or 32 weeks. Um, it's going to be a blast. We're proud to have him on here. Throughout the season, we're going to have Josh join us in the iRacers Lounge podcast to talk about his current season and what he's looking forward to. So to Josh, we're looking forward to working with you. Looking forward to what um, Do Work Motorsports can do as a team, as a whole, and watching them grow for the 2019 Full Throttle Sim Racing Cup Series in which he's racing upon. You guys can check out Josh live every Monday on LSR TV beginning at 9 p.m. Eastern time. If you want some of the um, links to um, LSR TV, livesimracing.com, those will be in our show notes. So for Josh Gerlach, welcome to the team. We're excited to have you as a part of the iRacers Lounge podcast. Can't wait to see what you do in the future. So as far as his last race that he had, the first race since we officially signed him to the to the team, he started P12 after, or he started P27, but he finished P12 at Atlanta Motor Speedway on the 25th this past Monday. Josh currently sets P19 in the championships, which he moved up six positions from last week's race at Daytona National Speedway. So his next race is this coming Monday at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, and that can be watched on LSR TV. Again, show notes are going to be, or a link is going to be in the show notes. So welcome to the team, Josh. Glad to have you. All right, something different. Uh, we got iRacers Lounge on the paint job. So uh... Yeah, the, uh, the car looks sharp. It's exciting to have him on here. I know he's extremely excited about it. He got in contact with us, and... We're going to have some information at the end of the podcast about if you're interested in joining the team also. But it's exciting times here for us. And I don't know who's more excited, if we're excited to have him or if he's excited to have us with it. But keep an eye out for the sharp-looking Ford. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's jump to hardware software. Mason, 
iRace online rig. Yeah, this is a cool, cool little rig here. Um, the the gentleman who put this up, his name is Trevor Fallis. Um, he has products and services at iRace.online. Uh, or sorry, iRaceOnline.weebly.com. Um, and he has a video up here of his rig. Um, it's kind of a Fantech combination with looks like some 80-20 maybe. Um, but it's really really sweet rig, just done well with some lights underneath, some uh, triple monitors. Uh, you got the, the SIM dash there on his tablet. Um, got a shifter and handbrake. It's just a, a really nice rig. It's got the, the eye flag up top there. Um, but he has these all on his uh, website there. I said iraceonline.weebly.com. And uh, he sells complete packages, it looks like. So you can either get motion, you can get some for the Xbox, PS4, um, but like pre made packages with the computer, everything, your wheel. Um, you get NASCAR style wheel, uh, Track Pro telemetry, all sorts of stuff. Yeah, it's a little different. It's not like a traditional uh, store. I mean, it kind of is. Um, when you when you go to his website and you click over to store, you'll see you can actually buy all kinds of stuff front through him. So, pretty cool. Um, there's a big old ventilation system upgrade with like a big old hose that blows air on you uh, with like a big old motor. That thing looks pretty cool. 340 bucks. They have a lot of stuff on there. Anyway, yeah, check it out. It's worth, uh, if you guys want to browse around for some neat stuff, uh, they have some little cockpits and wheels and different things. Uh, all right, let's keep moving. Chris, tell us about GTX 1660 Ti. Yeah, NVIDIA came out with the uh, Ti version of the 1660. Or, I'm sorry, that's the 1660, not the 1060. Um, so, yeah, new card. <laughs> Uh, is one of the many. I don't see anything too impressive about it. Uh, six gigs, two HDMI ports, one display port, one DVI, and a clock speed of 1530. And uh looks like they'll set you back for around 280 to $310. $300 video card. And it looks like it'll handle triples. Barely. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I don't know. If I was going to spend 300 bucks. I don't, I don't know that this is the one I would probably be going with, but like I said, I'm kind of an AMD guy, just kind of waiting to see what their answer is to all this overpriced stuff. Well, it, I mean, uh, I don't know if it, does it fit a hole that's needed. I don't know. No, I don't know. That's the way it is. I feel about a lot of the the new cards that Nvidia came out with. I don't know that they're most of them are a big enough jump over the previous generation to be a big deal um maybe this one does that ray tracing stuff and maybe when more developers are actually doing the ray tracing stuff it'd be cool but yeah right now i just don't don't see the point i think we're at a point though that it's not the big jumps anymore that we're going to be getting it's these small little things and i think the problem is is they're adding too many things for people to choose from from their same brand and i think you know it, it's just it, there's not a big enough gap between you know generations of stuff here and it, it's just you know people want want to see a big change and it's probably not what they're they're getting out of these cards yeah yeah you're right pc hardware is just it's slowed down we're not seeing the giant um 
you know, improvement boost that you used to see. I think to me it feels like Nvidia throwing a whole lot of cards out there because nobody's upgrading their cards because you know they've like like you said that the tech has slowed down and so they're oh, like everything well, CPU a... limited. You know. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's keep moving. Um, podcast gold. I'll take this one. Why do I call that? Well, it, this is a good tidbit uh, from somebody I do respect in the forums that really helps describe uh, a particular aspect of motion and what it what is it. And so I'm going to quote Todd Bentonhausen. Uh, his uh, dad was the late Kerry Bentonhausen, who was an IndyCar driver back in the day. Uh, anyway, Todd uh, tells us about RTL. Now, what is RTL? That's rear traction loss. And so that's where you're you're racing and your rear end kind of shifts from left to right. That's a rear traction loss. And so here's what he says about it. Quote, the reason RTL works the way it does is, strange as it may seem, it does nothing until you need it to tell you something really useful and important, that the back end of the car is indeed on the verge of losing traction. As I demonstrate in the video, even though the effect looks very subtle as the chassis seems to move only slightly, you can really feel it in the pit of your stomach. It's quite certainly one of the motion effects that your brain doesn't have to translate because it's literally the same thing you feel in the real world when a car begins to slide. It's intuitive and instant to interpret. When you're driving on the limit, truly at the edge of control, RTL is right there at that time saying, hey buddy, you get everything out of your car. Uh, RTL brings a completely different dimension to dirt racing. I would describe it as entertaining and a hell of a lot of fun. It really does help you make the kind of mid-course corrections that can help you drift with precision and also exit corners and keep the car straighter on the straightaways. It feels like being on dirt. And uh, I just thought that was a great in, uh, interpretation uh, discussion about what that rear traction does. I'd love to try it sometime. What do you guys think? So what he's describing is obviously, you know, I, I'm guessing, I think, Mason, a couple of weeks ago, you said you had a, an experience in your actual personal car where you kind of almost put it in a snowbank or something. This probably is the kind of experience he's talking about. You feel it in the pit of your stomach is when you feel the traction loss and, you know, your body tenses up from it. And that's what he's trying to explain here. Like, that would be an interesting thing. Because the way we push cars in, in the sim, it would be interesting to see how you adapt that part to it, um, putting the car on the edge all the time. Yeah, so I can't confirm there was traction loss. <laughs> so if you look at the video, the second one at 710 mark, you can see the thing, how it works visually. But you'll see that he's got his rig on a basically a big old piece of wood, it looks like that's on a traction loss device that's kind of shifting him left to right as he's driving. But uh, I, will I would love to try traction loss. I think uh, paired up with the GS5 motion seat with traction loss, and boy, I mean, that would just be the sweet spot. I, I don't know that you need the whole, uh, all the other motion things that can be done with the you know, the left and the right and all these other things. If you do the traction loss, that's a big part of it. And everybody that I've, um, I've read a, a few reviews about the traction loss and stuff, and everybody that I've seen that have, has been able to use it, it's one of those things, like, once you have it, it's really hard to go back. Like, it's just, it's, 
it's a game changer for the people that's used it from what I've seen. All right, Tony, the DSD Unbox. Yeah, this one here I think is uh, kind of right up my alley. Um, the guys over at Derek Spears Designs has come out with, well, not come out with yet, but soon to be coming out with um, a very much slimmed down version of their button box. And it's it's uh, definitely uh, a do-it-yourself endeavor. Um, they, they do pretty much all the work for you. Um, you, you got the board, the buttons, and the dials all set up. You just got to build the box and add the wires yourself. Um, and the whole idea behind this is to, um, well, make it cheap, uh, cheap to make and cheap to ship. So uh, the price point will be low for the consumer. Um, I really like this because uh, this gives me an, an opportunity to put my, uh, my custom labels um <laughs> along the buttons and th this is actually something i'm gonna seriously consider um when they do finally release it i didn't see any uh any dates as of yet but um they they are working on it and it's it is looking good yeah it's pretty good uh, if you look at the second link there's a different color version of it uh, it's all black um but yeah, this is for do-it-yourself, guys. It's just the circuit board, and you have to finish it, so to speak. Um, but it's got everything on it. And uh, uh, Bean, our, uh, one of our favorite forum guys, Bino, uh, he uh, posted on this forum post and said he might add that to where he put his custom trackball. And on his rig, he had a custom trackball kind of mounted on a nice stainless steel plate. And he's thinking about mounting this little button box like next to it. And I think that'd be really nice, and uh, that's a great idea, you know, to to buy a product like this from Derek Spears and then like integrate it into your rig somehow like that. Well, like well, you can you can make a dash or anything out of it. Like you just place it behind and cut the holes out for the, you know, where you want the buttons to be coming out. Yeah, you could. So the possibilities are endless because it's just the it's just like the raw electronics part, you know. Yeah, and. Well, really, I mean that—that's the hardest part about about the the button boxes is, you know, the boards, the buttons, the dials. Um, this, I, I'm, I'll be looking into this when they when they get going for sure. All right, we're going to do one more hardware before we move on. Brent, TS Customs in Croatia. TS Customs has come out with a pretty unique um, motion rig, I think. And this motion rig is a all-inclusive, pretty much, and I'm talking all-inclusive, the entire, your seat area frame pitches and yaws. You've got the, the pedals, they pitch in those yaw also with them. And the steering wheel comb, that all pitches and yaws. So the entire thing, all three aspects of your rig are motion with these guys. They have a video on their Facebook page, TS Customs, you can check them out. That shows their the interior of these workings, and this is the first time I've ever seen the interior of one of these rigs, and it's pretty amazing the mechanical challenge that I would have trying to put something like this together, and knowing that there are people out there that do it free of charge, and the engineering that come up with this is pretty impressive. So check them out; it's a awesome looking rig, and that's TS Customs on their Facebook page. Now, now this isn't a traditional motion rig that we normally talk about. The motion that's involved here is the the positioning of the seat wheel and pedals in relation to each other 
yeah, that's so the, what the motion the main is. chassis isn't moving. The main chassis is solid. It's it's a built frame, but like Mike said, the seats moving forward and back, left and right. The pedal think frame power that, seat. You're in a yeah. Cadillac with the buttons yep. on the side of the seat, right? Yes. And yes. then the same thing with the wheel. It's like having a power steering wheel that moves like in a Cadillac. You can move it up and down and forward and backwards. And even the pedals can be adjusted and they go up and down. Now, the crazy, I watched this whole video and what's crazy is how he built it and made this work. He's like a total inventor and he just like totally welds pieces together and just comes up with contraptions that do all this stuff and it's got gears and and uh all kinds of crazy stuff to make it work it's really uh fascinating were you able to find a price list for this or anything if you if he's it looks very them? custom and one off I, i'm sure there's only one of them so i don't i don't know if he's selling this or what <laughs> you know what this is like the market that this kind of helps for is you know taller people or really short people like just trying to be able to get the the feel you want um you know you know even if you have like shorter limbs to or torso or things like that it, it, you know you can you cast you can fit into the seat a lot better it it's really a, a great design especially the the wheel part where he can move the wheel closer or backwards or farther away or whatever and then it can still be solid once it moves you know it's still uh, in a a place where it's not going to move around and it, it's a neat design you would never want to do this on a proper iRacing cockpit though i think i think this is to go to all this trouble and expense just so you can have uh you know your wheel come forward and backwards and do all this stuff i don't think that's worth it all right let's keep uh going uh let's talk nascar iRacing series uh first finishing up uh atlanta uh Tony Rochette ran Saturday, P nothing, he said. Pace car, pace car glitch after a restart caution on lap 20, and the race didn't count. And uh, he showed us some video of that, but that's crazy. I haven't heard about a pace car glitch in a while. What does that mean? That means the pace car never came out during the yellow, and the entire race is over because the rest of it is under yellow. Uh, Sunday open, Tony ran P4. Says, ran top seven all race caution fest. Had a scare when a car hit the wall and barely missed. Uh, late restart got arrow net coated from a car in turn one. Dropped in fifth to tenth. Made it up to fourth. Got caught up with lappers wrecking with two to go. No caution still made it to fourth. Nice run. Mason, how about your run? Uh, we started okay. Uh, then uh, hit the wall. Running in the high line. Trying to stay out of people's way because I was loose especially off at of two, and I uh, lost several laps fixing that damage because I had to come in under green. Um, then I spun it on a late race restart. Even though I was in third gear, it still spun out, so I felt bad. The guy behind me got a black flag because he passed on the left. So, P22. Yeah. David Hall, P22 as well. Yeah, yeah. I actually just... Oh, sorry, David. I was... Uh, I just... We had a, a long green flag run... Uh, at the end, split it into two stints, and I sped exiting the pits, and that cost me. I was probably going to get a top 10, ended up P22. One mistake is all it takes, man. Greg? Yeah, I, I forgot to put my results, and I ran Friday night. I ran P11. Um, 
had a good uh, race going, but I restarted on the outside with like eight to go. Um, for I think for I was like eighth, and the top line didn't go, and it was just couldn't gain anything back with those last eight laps. All right, Sunday fixed. I ran uh, and I was embarrassed. I, I completely wrecked out multiple times. I'm not sure what my problem was. I just was. I couldn't drive. I don't know what my deal was. It's like I forgot how to drive. I was just garbage out there. I don't know what my deal was. I had a good run earlier in the week, so I can't make heads or tails of it. I did something similar uh, with Vegas. Let's talk about Vegas next. Uh, on Wednesday fix, I did run and got a P11, ran as high as top five with 20 to go. And I was real proud of that. I don't normally run so well at these kind of tracks traditionally and for me to be running top five with 20 to go legitimately that's saying something and so i'm really uh proud of that i did get wrecked uh, uh came back on it you know from the last run from 21st up to 11th um and so was happy with that and then tony rochette got a p12 he said struggled and fought hard all race just wasn't good and then Wednesday open, man, we had 10 of us, I think, in the race that uh, last night. Uh, my race, I got wrecked out. I got door slammed by a guy that would never stop talking. I actually mute this guy every time I see him in a race because he just won't stop. But uh, he ended up door slamming me, and uh, then uh, shortly after that, I wrecked on my own. So bad, bad result. Tony uh, Groves, you got a bad result. Boy, did I ever. Um, I, I wrote down here and said I didn't run out of talent this race. I gritted with none. Um, and I was just having a hell of a time with turns three and four. Uh, I took a couple trips through the grass. I just kept getting loose out of that corner. Um, and it wasn't always just coming off the corner. Sometimes it was just halfway through it. Um, I I don't know. I want to blame the setup, but I can't. It was probably throttle control. Um I'm hoping to make another start or two this week to try and redeem myself. But uh, I ended up taking out another another guy, and I know I ruined his race. And uh, if he's listening, he knows he knows who he is. And uh, I apologized throughout the race um, for doing that to him. But uh, yeah, I'm. I'd like to just put this finish behind me. All right, then, Chris, you had uh, a nice run. You led laps late. And uh, it ran fastest lap of the race, but with a P4. Yeah, the um, it started out as kind of a mess. I I had a I kind of panicked at the beginning because I couldn't remember if I had changed my setup or not. And uh, they gridded just as so the last second I went to low back up. So I had to start from pit road, and we had a caution before the uh, anybody took went past the line, so it put me a lap down to start. And it was just, it was kind of a mess there the whole first 50 laps. But then once we got the records out, uh, we had a good race. Like I said, I got, I led a few laps and then just ran out of car. Our, our set was just garbage on the long run. But yeah, I hung on for a P4. All right. And then Mason, you got, uh, you got uh, wrecked out. Oh, this one was frustrating. I, um, I was falling back through the pack. I had started in P3, um, just on the long runs, I was getting killed. And uh, we were all loose off of two again. And the the guy, a couple cars in front of me, uh, took the entire backstretch to wreck. And I, I went back and watched the video. He didn't get out of the gas ever to save it. He just 
kept trying to hold on to it. And eventually he went down below the apron into turn three in the hopes of staying out of people's way, but he slid back up directly in the middle of the track. And as I was calling out wreck, I wrecked into him. Dang. And engine blown. All right. And then the best result, uh, David Hall, P3. Uh, but you had a problem with short runs only, right? Yeah, the set I ended up choosing was pretty good on the short run. We had a long run. Uh, I think you and I were using the same set, and we both started falling back through the field as it at when we had one of the longer runs. But the race ended up kind of similar to a real NASCAR race where it there was caution after caution towards the end. Um, and every caution, I'd steal a spot on a restart and steal a spot on a on a uh, pit stop. And through those last couple of restarts, I moved from eighth to third. Um, I usually like to be a long run guy, but this time being having the short one set and being pretty good at restarts and getting a little bit out of them paid off. All right. Uh, and then Tony Rochette. Had a P6, but and he ran a set from last year, and uh, and it worked out for a P6. All right, Thursday open. Uh, I got a P16. Uh, I lost my mind. I guess I was caught up in so many different wrecks. Uh, a lot of them were just in front of me, and I just got. I don't know how to miss them anymore. It's just like I. I drive right into it. You know, I don't know what I'm doing. I just got to figure it out. But I had 20x by the end of the race. And at the end, I had got caught up in another incident with some cars, and my car was, like, really messed up, and it wouldn't steer at all. And there was, like, three to go, and so I'm just trying to nurse it to the checker, right? And eventually, my right front actually blew. I felt the right front drop. The car, I was in the middle of the corner. The car quit turning and went straight to the wall, like literally straight. And I just plowed into the wall. And it's... I think I've blown a tire once in iRacing, maybe twice, long ago, maybe like four years ago. And so it's been a long time, but it actually happened today. I blew a tire. Uh, and then Tony Rochette, P18, his race was horrible. He got wrecked lap one, turn one. Uh, didn't have a hood. He had to do all this repairs. And he did come back out there to, to get a P18 and just uh, rough it out. All right. and. Um, that's it. We jump to final thoughts. Brent McCoy. Okay. Um, let me see here. We've got the new um, Josh joined us for the sponsorship opportunity here. And <clears throat> if you guys are interested, we're, we're currently now going to start opening the sponsorship up to you guys, the fans. If you guys are interested, if you guys have a league that you want to join or want the iRacers Lounge to be a, a part of, if you're part owner of a team, if, if you're a hardware company out there, anything related to iRacing, Give us a holler. Shoot us an email at the iRacersLounge at gmail.com. We will forward you some information. If you guys are interested in sponsorship opportunities, we're open to hearing what you guys have to offer. So, again, iRacersLounge at gmail.com. All right. Thanks, Brent. Chris Scales, final thought. Got nothing. Brain's mush. I'm all, I've am i got to go take a cold shower or something cool off. David Hall's uh, porn star voice has got me all worked up. <laughs> all right. David Hall, final thoughts. Should I talk like this? I don't know. No. <laughs> no. Um, I don't know what's going on with my microphone, so I'm going to be resetting shortly. Uh, looking forward to Sebring. I know me and uh, Mason and Greg are going to go turn some laps. I don't know if Brent's joining us or not tonight. Uh, 
looking forward to that. You know, uh, I have, I love the ovals, but I, I've gr- fallen in love with those road courses too. Yeah. Good luck uh, for t- team to at Sebring. I'm not going to make the race. I have to r- work and uh, you got more than enough people to get one or two cars going. So uh, good luck. Uh, Greg Hector's final thought. Uh, just looking forward to running an NIS race probably tomorrow night. Um, Anybody want to watch, follow me still? Uh, Twitch.tv slash Frozen Cactus. Frozen with two O's, Cactus with two K's. Um, yeah, I just, back to the NIS season, I'm going to start focusing on and helping the guys out with sets. And uh, I look forward to also racing on Saturday uh, at Sebring. So, yep. All right, very good. Mason Stiver, final thought. Well, I bit the bullet and purchased the uh, SimLab P1. For my new rig, got wow. Bobby, teammate From Bobby. Yep, teammate Bobby Jonas uh, helped me out with picking the parts and making sure I got everything I needed and picking spending out a seat. your money. Yeah, I wanted to spend it this time. And I got also got um, from another iRacer on here a uh, button box coming tomorrow. So upgrades, ahoy! Wow. Which one did you buy? I believe it is the an old Derek Spears Designs track boss. Nice, nice. And I purchased a, a, tr- a button box from Justin on our team as well. I did forget to mention my Formula V2 from Fanatec shipped yesterday. It'll be here Monday. Wow. All these purchases. Wow. I'm jealous. I need to buy some. Well, that was the free one they sent me because of the back order on the direct drive. It's because you talked to him sexy on the phone, didn't you? Okay, Tony Gross, yeah. final thought. Well, I I didn't buy nothing, and I don't really plan to. Actually, what I'm just hoping for, and I'm thinking it's going to happen, is is my my work life and real life is going to slow down a little bit and open up some extra time for me to uh, spend on the track because after last night's uh, showing, I certainly need it. More more seat time, right? All right, Tony Rochette, you're still in here. I don't know if you can hear me. Final thought? Well, Mike, I do appreciate you reading the results for me. You actually did a lot better job than I would. Um, I'm actually excited. I'll be uh, heading my way uh, down to Las Vegas this weekend, so I'll get to see the new Arrow package right in front of me. So, yeah, and running tonight. And uh... All right, well, have fun at Vegas. Uh, Bet a buck for me on something and see if we win. All right, uh, my final thoughts. Thanks to Logan Clampett for joining us for the fourth time on the podcast. Uh, I think that's the most of anybody, actually. We we don't rare, rarely have repeat guests. We like to try to uh, bring in uh, new people all the time because there are so many iRacers out there that we can learn about, and so we always try to keep it fresh. But Logan is obviously really hot right now in, in, uh, in the Peak Series. You know, he, he was the man to beat in this last race for a while. And so uh, why not? And we're, we're trying to get all the peak guys on. And so uh, good job, Mason, trying to arrange that. If you're a peak driver and you're listening to me, contact Mason Stiver and get on our show and let's uh, interview you and uh, let's, let's learn about you guys. Uh, what's wrong with me? I don't know, man. I went to Vegas and Atlanta and I had a couple bad days and a couple races and it feels like I forget how to drive or something. Um, but it's really about th- throttle control coming up, coming off three or four on these uh, racetracks. And if you don't have it just right, boy, that car's coming around. But I keep telling everybody I'm racing with, 
this is the last time we're in this package, guys. We got a new package coming. We're going to have less horsepower. Cross your fingers. Let's hope it's better. Because I don't, it's going to suck if it's worse. All right, with that, we'll see you later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.